Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 in your Bibles this evening, and, and uh, we want to try to give you a, a little instruction this evening if we could, and I hope this will be a blessing to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we've been over in, uh, we've been over in uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 9 as we began this series, and then we moved over to Romans chapter 12. And we are going to go back over to Romans 12 in just a moment. But let's read our scripture tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And it, when you find your place, if you're able, if you'd stand with us tonight just for a few moments as we read scripture this evening. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse number 1. And Paul says, now concerning spiritual gifts, and that's what we're talking about. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now, ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away into these dumb idols, even as ye were led. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Uh, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one in the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. And you may be seated tonight. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that subject tonight, the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, now I'm going to give you, I'm going to start out making five statements. And don't get worried. I'm going to get you out here about the same time we always get out. But I'm going to start out with five statements and then we'll get to the message and, and uh, some of these five statements just have Scripture underneath them. They don't have any commentary, just Scripture. Uh, but I want to talk to you a little bit about the gifts of the Spirit tonight. And so let's pray and ask the Lord to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you for a wonderful, wonderful opportunity to be back in the Lord's house again tonight. Several folks mentioned that when we were counting our blessings. Lord, we're in a nation that has freedom. God, we're not in Rwanda. Now, thank God for these folks that are that are willing to go to Rwanda and Uganda and Burundi. And uh, I think about the Holmeses over there, Nigeria. And I think about the Maluchis over there on the Turkish lines right there in Bulgaria. And, uh, Lord, th these, these people are in hostile areas. And, uh, but, Lord, here we are in America, and we're able to do what we're doing tonight in peace and comfort. And we just thank you and praise you so much for that freedom, freedom to worship. Thank you for this nation. And God, I pray that Bible studies like this would uh, break out all over America. And I pray that those Bible studies that are going on right now, I pray that they would be power-packed. And I pray that there would be a great stirring in the church tonight. I pray, Lord, for the fullness of the Holy Spirit now. And I pray that you'd give us something that might uh, be a blessing and help us tonight. I pray to learn your word. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen and amen. Well, I think one of the very first things that we notice about 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that Paul mentions several different gifts not referenced in Romans chapter 12. Now, I want to just, once again, just as we begin 
some introduction here. I believe this. I believe that Paul is uh, here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I believe that Paul's referring to some of the apostolic gifts that were still being used at this time, uh, at the time of this writing. For you remember that in the very next chapter, the apostle Paul makes mention that some of these gifts would be phasing out. In fact, if you're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, turn over one page to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and again, Paul is still referencing the gifts. And you'll notice in 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8, Paul said, charity never faileth. Now, we're to use these gifts in love, and we're to use these gifts to be a blessing to the body. He said, charity never faileth, but whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Whether there be knowledge, now he just talked about that in the preceding chapter, whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, he said in verse number, uh, verse number nine, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. And so Paul says, uh, uh, Paul's talking about some of the gifts of the Spirit, but he says this, that when that which is perfect is come, then some of those things that are in part will begin to phase out. They'll begin to phase out. Now, I believe this is the perfection that Paul was talking about. I believe that when, God, when we got the perfected, inspired canon of Scripture, uh, as we said just a few weeks ago, we no longer need a prophet to stand up and say, this is going to happen. We know what's going to happen. The Bible tells us what's going to happen. And so we have the completed canon of Scripture, the revelation. I don't need a pope uh, to stand up and give me uh, you know, uh, ex cathedra or uh, what the new revelation is. I've got the new revelation right here. This is it. Uh, the buck stops right here, and I'm so thankful for the completed Word of God. Now, don't forget, don't get messed up on, uh, you know, uh, Romans chapter 12 and the First Corinthians chapter 12, and don't let people get you confused on that. Don't forget that when Paul was speaking in the book of Romans, Paul is speaking forth doctrine. Uh, very doctrinal book as he talks about salvation and justification and glorification and, uh, and, and a lot of other doctrines there in the book of Romans. But as Paul comes to Corinthians and, and we get to the letter uh, to the Corinth church here, we understand that the apostle Paul is addressing a very problematic church. And he's addressing a church, by the way, that's consumed with gifts. Now, it's a very carnal church. Uh, the book, of the uh, the uh, church of Corinth was very carnal, very carnal church. But yet they were consumed with gifts, and they were especially consumed with the gifts that were more showy, uh, and so and those gifts that really stood out. And so Paul, when Paul is writing this letter to the uh, church of Corinth under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul is having to address some of these problems and some of these issues that are going on in uh, the church of Corinth. Now, let me give you just five statements very quickly, uh, some things that we learned here from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Number one is this, every believer is given a gift. Every believer is given a gift. Look at verse number seven there. He said, but the manif manifestation of the Spirit is given to who? Every. To every man. It's given to every man. Uh, to profit with all. Verse number 11, he says, but all these worketh that one and the self same spirit dividing to, to who? Amen. To every man, dividing to every man severally as he will. So every believer is given a gift. No one is left without. And uh, somebody jokingly said years ago when God was giving out brains, you thought they said trains and you missed yours. 
And, uh, well, nobody misses this train right here. God gives to the body. God gives everybody a certain gift. Now you say, preacher, but I don't know what my gift is. Well, hang in, hang in there. We're going to get to that eventually. And, uh, and I believe that God will show you what your gift is. Every believer is given a gift. Number two is this. God chooses the gift. Amen. Now, here again, uh, don't get, I know this is so simple, but sometimes things that are so simple are things that a lot of churches are getting really, really whacked out on. God chooses the gift. Amen. And God chooses the gift that he gives you based upon one thing, his sovereignty. Now, again, look at the scripture, verse 11. He said, but all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, here it is, dividing to every man severally as he will. Now, skip down to verse number 18. He said, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, here it is, as it, as it hath pleased him. And so God gives you the gift that he knows will fit you the best. And so God chooses the gift. And so, uh, you know what? If you don't have somebody else's gift, don't fret. Don't worry about it. Uh, you say, I don't have Joe Arthur's gift. <laughs> Most people don't, amen. But you know what? Don't worry. You're not supposed to have Joe Arthur's gift. Amen. Did you know that? God gives you a specific gift that he know, knows is gonna fit you the best. So number two, God chooses the gift. Number three is this. Every believer should be content with their God-given Gift. Now I'm not going to have you turn there, but I'll just give you the. the I'll give you the. Uh, well, I tell you what, I do want you to turn. I want you to see something else. Book. So turn over, hold your place at First Corinthians 12, and I want you to turn back a few pages to Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Every believer should be content with their God-given gift. Now, notice what Paul tells us in Romans 11 and verse number 29. He says there for the gifts. And calling of God are without repentance. Uh, that word repentance means they're irrevocable. They're without regret. In other words, don't regret the gift that God's given to you. Now you say, uh, Pastor, my gift doesn't seem like it sort of, uh, it's not as visible as someone else's gift. Doesn't matter. Uh, you know what? You be thankful for the gift that God's given you. And, uh, and by the way, how many know this? God's keeping a record. And so the gifts are not given to us so we can show off. We talked about that last week. God's keeping a record. And if you use your gift like you're supposed to be using your gift, God will give you the reward that you're worthy of. Uh, and so every believer should be content with their God-given gift. Now, I want to say this, that you know what? You and I are to take our gift that God gives to us and we're to make our gift the biggest thing in our life. And we're to use it to bring glory and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11 is because I want you to see verse number 13. Romans chapter 13. Now, the apostle Paul uh, has a ministry to the Jews, but God saves Paul and turns Paul's life around. And then uh, God comes to Paul and says, Paul, I'm going to change your ministry. And I want you to go to the Gentiles and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Now, Back in that day, 
You know what? That was not looked upon with honor. That was, uh, they, you know what? People didn't think that, people didn't think that Gentiles deserved the gospel. They didn't think that they deserved grace. They looked at the Gentiles as barbarian dogs, half-breeds. Uh, a, Jew wouldn't even, a Jew wouldn't be caught dead in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, the, in the, the presence of a Gentile. That's why when Jesus stopped in Samaria to talk to the woman at the well, and the disciples went to get something to eat. And they came back a little bit later and they talked among themselves and said, we can't believe he's talking to this woman. I mean, what in the world is the Lord thinking? The Lord knew what he was doing. And uh, but wait a minute, God comes to Paul and says, Paul, I want you to go preach to the Gentiles. And, uh, and boy, people, no doubt, Paul got criticism and, and people, uh, people uh, downgraded his office. But look what Paul said in Romans 11, verse number 13. He said, for I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. He said, I magnify mine office. In other words, Paul said, I'm going to make this the most important ministry in the world. Now, other folks may not look at it like that, and I may get criticized for what I'm doing and, and others may say, that's not important. You shouldn't be talking to those folks. You don't need to be wasting your time preaching to those people. But Paul said, I'm going to magnify mine office and I'm going to make it the biggest thing in the world. Now listen, whatever gift God has given to you, you ought to make it huge. And you ought to use it to the glory of God. Number four, I'm hurrying. Number four is this. The gifts are diverse, but equally honorable. Now, that goes right back to what I just said. Now, flip right back over to 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12 and look what the Lord says in verse number 4. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, he said, Now, there are diversities of gifts with the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations but the same Lord, and there are diversities of operations but is the same God, which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Skip down to verse number 23. And uh, the Lord says, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. So those gifts that God give us, you know what, we may not think they're quite as big as others, but they're all equally honorable. Number five is this. The gifts can only be discerned spiritually. Amen. Now, now this, this is very important. Look at verse seven. The Lord says, but the manifestation of the Spirit is given to, to, to every man to profit with all. That word manifestation means exhibition or expression. It means the bestowment. Did you know tonight that, there, uh, that, that I don't think a Christian can know what their individual gift is until they become yielded to the Holy Spirit? You know why? Because the Bible says these gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit. Now, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto them, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, this is what I'm saying. You say, Pastor, we've been talking about the gifts of the Spirit. I don't even know what mine is, okay? Let me encourage you. Here's what you need to do. You need to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit every single day. 
And every day you get up, yield yourself to the Spirit of God. Lord, I yield myself to you. Holy Spirit, I give myself to you. I yield my mind to you. I yield my life to you. I yield my body to you. And every day, yield yourself to the Lord. And I believe this. The more yielded you become, the more you'll begin to understand the gift that God has given to you. And so if you're here tonight and you're not very yielded, well, I'm not surprised that maybe you don't, you don't have an inkling on what your gift is. But you keep yielding to the Spirit of God and God is able to show you what He wants you to do in His body. Now, we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about several. Number one, we talked about prophecy for a little bit and then we talked about the gift of ministry. Now, uh, the, uh, turn back over real quickly, if you will, to Romans chapter 12 because that's the gifts that I'm going to reference tonight. Romans chapter 12 and uh, look Look, if you will, at verse number 6, Romans 12, verse 6, and I'll go through this quickly, and, uh, and I hope this will, will help you tonight. Romans chapter 12, verse number 6, the Bible says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Now, I don't know if you counted up, but there's seven gifts, seven gifts there, by the way, number of completion, uh, seven gifts there that the Lord mentions. We talked about prophecy, we've talked about ministry, and so tonight, I'm gonna switch gears, and I wanna talk to you a little bit about the gift of teaching, the gift of teaching. And if some of you don't even know you've got that gift, but you've got it. You've got it. Now, some of you know you've got it, and that's good. And, uh, and so those of you who, uh, who feel tonight like God has given you the gift of teaching or you feel like maybe God is giving you the gift of teaching, I want to help you a little bit tonight. And I don't have a 15 minutes to do it in, but I want to help you. And so I want you to, if you'll listen uh, fast, I'll teach fast, all right? But the gift of teaching. Now, what is... The gift of teaching. Well, it means this. It means to hold discourse with others in order to instruct them. But very quickly, I want to give you the, the second fold meaning of that word teaching in uh, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 7. It also means to conduct one's self as a teacher. Did you know that leadership must always set a higher standard than fallowship. Now, that's just a fact, church. And that's not being taught in our society much anymore. Preachers don't look like preachers. Preachers look like church members. And often the preachers look worse than the church members look. But the truth is that leadership must always set a higher standard than the followers. I'm talking about in things like dress. I'm talking about in things like attitude. If you're a leader, your attitude cannot be what the attitudes of your followers are. And so if everybody else comes in on Monday morning with their big lip dragging the floor saying it's a Monday, if you're a leader, you can't. You can't. Because your attitude can't match those that are following you or else you're not leading. And so leadership must always set the higher standard uh, in things like speech. Did you know that leaders can't talk like the followers talk? Can't use the same words, same slang, Christian character. It goes on and on and on. Now, uh, 
and so to conduct oneself as a teacher. Now, this is, this is and I'm going to have to cut some things out of here tonight, I can tell. But you know what's interesting? That when people came in contact with Jesus, they knew he was a teacher. Again, I'm not, I've got too many scriptures for you to go. If you're taking notes, you can jot it down or jot it down on the margin of your Bible. In John chapter 3, verse number 2, the Bible says that, that a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. In John chapter 3, verse 2, the Bible says the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher. And he went one step further, didn't he? He said, we know that thou art a teacher what? Come from God. Man. And uh, man, what a, what a blessing. And so I just, I just said that to say this. If you feel like God has given you the gift of teaching, that means this. God has called you to a little higher level than everybody else. Oh, I don't mean you're, you're better. Than, I don't mean you're better than anybody else. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. But if you're a teacher, that means you're a leader. And that means that you've got to set a higher standard than those that you're teaching. I remember years ago, we were over here. Brother Mike mentioned 115. We were over years ago. In fact, if you go down to the end of 901 and you turn right on 115, and we were down there visiting. And I remember knocking on the door one night and, uh, uh, and, and struck up a conversation with a gentleman. And I said, are you going to church anywhere? And he said, well, I was. But he said, I'm not going to church uh, anywhere right now. And, uh, and I could tell after we conversed a little while that he had had a, a very bad church experience. And I, saw, and, and I don't know if I asked. I think he just began to volunteer the information. You could tell this man was young, young, young of the Lord. He had started visiting a church, and, and he got in a Sunday school class, and, and he said, Preacher, he said, I don't understand. He said, I started going to this church, and he said, I was going to this uh, Sunday school class, and he said, I was really enjoying it. I was getting involved in the fellowship. And he said, the Sunday school teacher uh, promoted a party at his house and invited everyone to come. And so he said, I, I was new at the church, and he said, so uh, I thought, well, that sounds like a, a, a great thing. And so he said, I went. I went to the party. He said, when I got to the party, he said, preacher, he said, they were drinking. He said, they were not only drinking, he said, they were smoking marijuana, and that was before it was legalized. It's still not legal, church, by the way. But anyway, I don't know what I'm talking about. And he said, they were smoking, smoking marijuana. And he said, you know what? He said, I was watching that. And he said, this was at the Sunday school teacher's house. And I said to myself, you know what? If this is being a Christian, and if this is, is, is being a church member, he said, you know what? I really don't need it. By the way, how do you respond to that kind of a, to that, to that? You know, he's right, wasn't he? Now, you know what? Very hurt, very offended. You know why? Because a teacher did not conduct, conduct himself like a teacher should conduct himself. Now, let me give you three thoughts real quickly in the last 10 minutes we've got, and we'll let you go home, all right? But this will help you. If you're a teacher or you think God's giving you the gift of teaching, let me give you several thoughts here. Number one is this, teaching dictates time. Teaching dictates time. In other words, it takes time. Teaching takes time. It takes time. Did you know the Bible says in Matthew 26 and verse number 55, uh, Jesus said, I sat daily with you teaching in the temple. Jesus taught daily. Did you know, did you know that a true 
teacher of the Bible cannot expect immediate results. If you do, you're going to be disappointed. And you're going to be severely disappointed. In fact, I want you to listen to what the prophet Isaiah said. In fact, uh, you know what? We don't have much more time, and so why don't we turn over there and look at it. Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. And look what Isaiah said about his ministry of teaching. Uh, Now, Isaiah was faithful. He was a faithful teacher, faithful prophet. But notice what, what Isaiah said about his ministry of teaching. Isaiah 28. Look down to verse number nine. Uh, Whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. Line upon line. Line upon line. Here a little and there a little. For with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to this people to whom he said, this is the rest wherewith ye may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. You know what Isaiah is saying there? Just a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time, a little at a time. And now some believe that, that, that this was actually a criticism of Isaiah. Because Isaiah's teaching was somewhat shallow and he just taught them on a a very elementary level. But we notice here that elementary teaching had a big impact. But Isaiah said, man, I just taught them line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. And, uh, And he said they didn't hear. But you know what Isaiah was saying? I just kept on teaching. I just kept on teaching. Now let me give you a statement tonight. Teachers, listen to this. And by the way, I I thought as I was leaving the house tonight, I thought about this. Did you know that what I'm teaching tonight doesn't just work in the church? Did you know this works in business? And it also works in parenting? Here it is. Here's the statement. Longevity is the key to those who desire to teach. You know what that means? You just got to stay with it. Just stay with it, man. Just, just stay with it. Dr. Wendell Evans, our college president, used to say, uh, young men, decade growth, decade growth, decade growth. In other words, he said, when you get out and start pastoring a church and teaching people, he said, don't you turn around every six months and look what you got. He said, if you do, you'll get discouraged. He said, you love those people and preach to those people and teach those people for a year and two years and three years and five years and seven years and eight years and 10 years. And he said, every decade or so, he said, you can turn around and sort of examine to see what you've got. But you know what he was saying? Brother, teaching takes time. And so you say, preacher, I I feel like God's given me the gift of teaching. Good. Uh, But I just want to tell you right now, it's going to take some time. And uh, it's going to take Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. You say, Pastor, I've been teaching a Sunday school class for a year, and it just doesn't seem like I'm making a difference. Do you have any advice? Yes, I do. Teach another year. Amen. Teach another year. You say, Pastor, I've been, I've been trying to train my employees for the longest time, and it just seems like they won't get it. What should I do? Keep on training. Yes, sir. Keep on training. You say, Pastor, we're trying our best to teach our kids and they are so strong-willed. And uh, uh, listen, and somebody said, every day at the end of that, it ought to be parents, one, children, zero. But you know what, parents? Don't get discouraged. 
You just keep on teaching, keep on teaching, keep on training. Uh, And so teaching dictates time. Let me give you this second statement, which goes right along with that. Number two is this, teaching demands patience. Now I want to show you an interesting scripture tonight. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn over to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter number 4. Jesus, of course, was the greatest teacher that's ever lived. Now I want you to notice Matthew chapter 4 in your Bibles. And look, if you will, at verse number 23 tonight. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all Galilee. What's the next word? Teaching. Teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Look at verse 24. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy, and he, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. How many know that Jesus' main ministry was that of teaching But you know what I noticed? The multitudes did not come out to him for teaching. They did not come out to him for spiritual help. You know why they came out? To be healed. They came out for physical needs. They came out for physical healing. I just said this, teachers, teaching demands patience. Did you know that most of those that you teach are not going to get it the first time? In fact, most are not going to get it the second time or the third time or the fourth time. You've got to keep on teaching. Paul said to the Corinthian church, I wanted to give you meat, but you couldn't handle it. And he said, desire that spiritual milk. But may I, may I remind us tonight that Paul never gave up on the Corinthian church? Did you know tonight that most people attend church for things other than the teaching of God's Word? There was a CNN poll done sometime back, and this was, the, this was the title of the article, Why People Attend Church. Y'all ready? Why People Attend Church. of people who attend church attend church because it's a family tradition. 16% of those who attend church attend church to please their spouse because their husband or their wife won't leave them alone. 19% of those who attend church attend to meet new people. And 31% of those who attend church attend because they feel obligated to go. Now, it was a hard pill for me to swallow when I finally realized people don't come to Calvary for my preaching. (laughs) That's a tough one, but it's true. And you know what? Folks are not going to come to church for your teaching. But here's the admonition tonight. You still have a responsibility to keep on teaching. You know why? Because that's God's gift that God has given to you. And uh, you know what? You say, Pastor, I don't believe my kids are listening. Keep on teaching. You say, preacher, I don't believe my employees are listening. Keep on training. Keep on training. And so he said, teaching dictates time. And teaching demands patience. But let's end it off on a positive note tonight. 
And that's this, teaching delivers results. It takes time and sometimes it just doesn't seem like you're getting through. But teaching works. It works. Now, you're here tonight. You say, Pastor, I think maybe, maybe, maybe that God's given me the gift of teaching. All right? So let's end on this. What really is the purpose? What's the purpose of teaching? Why, why does Brother Justin and the workers, why, what's the purpose of them teaching in the jail? What's the purpose of if you're a Sunday school teacher and you study that lesson every single Sunday and you come to church and, uh, and you teach that, that lesson uh, or you teach in the, the nursing home or you whatever it might be, you teach in a, in a ministry, what's the purpose of teaching? Let me show you what the purpose of of teaching is. Colossians chapter 1, and we're done tonight. Colossians chapter 1, and look, if you will, with me <clears throat> to verse number 28. Colossians chapter 1, and verse number 28, and we find out the purpose of teaching. And Paul says here to the church of Colossae, he says uh, in, in uh, 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 Colossians chapter 1, verse number 28, whom we preach, warning every man, here it is, and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And Paul said, Wherefore I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. Why do we teach? We teach to help Christians become perfect. And we've learned in our class here in just the last little bit in our Sunday morning class, that word perfect is the idea of Christian growth or maturity. And so why do, why do we teach? Why do we teach? We're trying to help folks mature in their Christian life. Now, you say, preacher, they don't seem like they're getting it. Keep on teaching. Keep on teaching. Man, just stay faithful. Keep on teaching. And uh, little by little, inch by inch, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You know what, every once in a while I get to be in the same service or the same place as some of my teachers. We had a funeral sometime back here at our church and one of my very first Sunday school teachers that I ever had, he's still living but he's way up in age and I walked into the church for the funeral that day and my Sunday school teacher in my primary class when I was a kid was sitting in this auditorium I walked over to him. The service had not started yet. I walked over to him and I sat down beside him. I put my arm around him and I said, Brother, I just want to thank you for having an impact on my life. And by the way, I'm not talking about just Sunday school teachers. Man, uh, how many of you remember I preached a message? It's been months ago and I preached a message called Somebody Packed Your Shoe. Y'all remember that? God, and God moved among the crowd. But I'm going to tell you, God moved among my heart that day. And that, that Sunday afternoon I left, I didn't go home. I purposely went by my preacher's house that day and I knocked on the door. He's in heaven now. And I knocked on the door and he came out and I said, Preacher, I just wanted to come by and just tell you how much I appreciate the impact that you had on my life. I recently, I found out that my second grade elementary school teacher had a surgery and she was in the hospital. I had not seen her for many years. Second grade elementary school teacher. I found out she's over at Davis Hospital. And I found out the room number. I knocked on the door. And uh, 
Somebody said, come in. And I walked in the door. Wait a minute, she was my second grade school teacher. She looked a little different. I know I don't look very different, but, but I, <laughs> I look a lot different. But I walked in. As soon as I walked in the door, she said, Stephen Pope. And instantly tears came to her eyes. And I said, I just wanted to come by and visit and pray with you and thank you for the impact that you had on my life. Well, I'm thankful for teachers. If you had some, if you had some good godly teachers somewhere along the line in your life, you know what? It might not be a bad idea just to give them a call or send them an email and just call them up and say, I just wanted to, I just wanted to say thank you. I appreciate the impact that you made in my life. I spoke with Brother Ray Young the other night. I sent him a text. And I, took, I said, Brother Ray, I just appreciate the impact you had in my life. Well, I, I tell you what, church, you know what? I am absolutely guaranteed I wouldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for some folks who poured into me and taught me. You say, well, preacher, you know, praise the Lord, you do good or whatever. Well, praise God, you know, if I do. But I'll tell you why I do. Because there's a lot of faithful, faithful people who somewhere along, my, along the line poured into me and took the time to teach me and influence me. Boy, thank God. Father, I love you. I thank you first and foremost for the teaching of the Holy Spirit. He is my main teacher. But then, Lord, I want to thank you for those teachers that you have, that you have strategically placed in my life, some early in my life, some later in my life, I'm so thankful for those teachers that you put in my life. I, I think about a, a mom and a dad. I'll, I'll take mom tomorrow. I'll take mom and dad tomorrow to get mom's MRI. And I think about a mom and a dad that taught me. And I know there was many a day when they thought it's not making a difference. We're not getting through. But I'm thankful they didn't stop. I'm thankful for some godly Sunday school teachers that taught me the Bible. I'm thankful for a pastor who Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and although there were Sundays when I was not tuned in and Sundays when I wasn't paying attention like I should have been, Lord, he kept on teaching, kept on preaching. I thank you for those coaches and those teachers in public school and Christian school that poured into my life. I think about Brother Smith. I think about Brother T.V. Paul. I think about Brother Hamilton who used to pastor this church and those who poured into my life. My life. Thank you for teachers. And Father, I pray that if you've given us those here tonight, you've given the gift of teaching. I pray that they'll not get discouraged. I pray that they'll use that gift and sharpen it to the best of their ability to bring glory to Christ. And then, Lord, I pray that you help us to be thankful for our teachers. God, I, I, I pray that you'll have your way tonight. Thank you for your blessings in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. I just want to ask a question tonight. If there might be one here tonight that doesn't know that you know that you're saved and going to heaven. Is there one like that anywhere tonight? You'd say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. 
would you pray for me? And you'd slip your hand up. Is there one anywhere? You'd raise it real high so I can pray for you. Anybody? All right. I'm not going to give a formal invitation tonight. We're going to have a prayer and we're going to go. But I just, I just say this. Take the message with you. And, and think tonight of who is it that you need to be thankful for that poured into your life and taught you and invested into your life. Let's all stand tonight if you would. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother David to come tonight if you would and dismiss in a word of prayer. Brother David, come on if you would and, and pray for us. And, and uh, we'll see you Saturday uh, at uh, Daniel Boone Inn. And then pray for those that are going to the youth rally this weekend as well. All right? Brother David, you pray for us. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Lord, thank you for what we can gain from it, from our pastor. We thank you for him. Thank you for his teaching. Lord, thank you for those who taught him. And Lord, how he continues to carry that on. Lord, that we might benefit from it. Oh, God, help us to hear and learn from what we get here. Help us to apply it to our lives. It might make us better Christians, better soul winners for the cause of Christ. Help us, Lord, that somewhere down the line, we may have an impact on someone's life. Well, bless each and every one that's here tonight. Bless those that's unable to be here. You bless them in a special way. Lord, be with us. Give us safety. Lord, we love you. We thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.